Welcome to the Airman Helping Airmen podcast. I'm your host, Khalid Wright, CEO, Air Force Aid Society. Join me as we chat with extraordinary guests, share stories, and learn how amazing people are making a difference in the lives of so many Air Force and Space Force families. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Airman Helping Airmen podcast. I am your host, Khalid Wright, the CEO of your Air Force Aid Society. And as always, I have a very special guest here with me today. Today's guest, her name is Lila Holly. Now, Lila is a retired chief warrant officer for in the U.S. Army who served for over 20 years. She joined the Army in 1990, one year after I joined the Air Force in 1989, and she had multiple deployments to Iraq. She is the founder of Camouflaged Sisters. Now, this is an organization of military women currently serving or women veterans who have served in any branch of the military, any rank, military spouses married to a member of any branch of the military, and supporters of military women and women veterans. She is a multi-award winning best-selling author of the Camouflaged Sisters book series. This series consists of eight published books sharing the inspirational stories of 130 courageous military women. The books cover topics such as leadership, mentorship, sisterhood, career challenges, and combat experiences. They also tackle tough topics like surviving military sexual assault, toxic leadership, PTSD, and surviving domestic violence while serving. She's also written the Behind the Rank series, as well as a couple of other books. And we'll put up a list where you can find all of the books that she's authored. Now, Lila uses her books and real life lessons to help other service members maneuver through the emotional battlefield of transitioning from the military, take ownership of their stories and heal using the power of storytelling. She is a regular guest speaker for veteran students at Baylor University and her book Battle Buddy is used during in-class discussions on military transition. She is a highly, I can see exactly why this next statement is true. She is a highly sought after keynote and work, keynote speaker and workshop facilitator for military units. She is a proud wife of a fellow veteran. She's a mother and a grandmother. She earned her bachelor's degree in social science from Upper Iowa University. And you can find her on the social links to include Instagram and Facebook. And we will make sure that you have access to all the links where you can find out more information about our very special guest, Lila Holly. Lila, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. It's good to have you with us. Now, so you joined the, Air, the Army, like I said, in 1990, a year after I joined the Air Force, and you stayed for over 20 years. Tell us a little bit about your background and experience uh, while you were in the Army. Yeah, so I did 22 years active duty in the Army. I was military intelligence my whole career. A warrant officer starts off, well, most warrant officers that are not pilots start off as enlisted. So I started off as enlisted in military intelligence, and then I transitioned to the warrant officer branch, and I really enjoyed my job. I traveled the world, and that was really the reason why I joined the military, being from upstate New York. Um, that's what I wanted to do, and I was able to accomplish that with the military. Like you said, I deployed to Iraq, Bosnia, the Philippines a couple of times, to Japan, Singapore, just a lot of great places and worked with a lot of allied forces that really, really helped me grow as a soldier and a leader. 
Okay. So now tell me what made you join the the military growing up in New York? What drove you to, to the military? Well, I will tell you, I was a young mother. I was a teenage mother. And I really thought after having my son so young, I thought the option of joining the military was off the table, but it wasn't. I took junior ROTC in high school and I really, really enjoyed the class. It was Air Force Junior ROTC. And I really didn't know there was like this leader inside of me. And so I'm the oldest of six kids. So she was kind of there. But <laughs> when I got into junior ROTC, I was really able to develop as a leader. And it just really drew me to the military as a career option. Okay. Well, good. Now, one of the things we like to discuss on this show is diversity, equity, and inclusion. I imagine that there were several times throughout your career where you were the only female and perhaps the only Black person and maybe both in the room for various parts of your military career. What was that like for you? Yeah. So that's, I always talk about that. And so my very first Camouflage Sisters book talks about that, being a Black woman serving in the military, because that was my experience. And that's, I could talk about that all day long. And so that was the first topic that I wanted to dive into. But um, in that book, we also focus heavily on mentorship. So for me, that uh, you can imagine being military intelligence, you're absolutely right. I was a lot of times <laughs> the only Black person in the room. And then as I transitioned to warrant officer and really started making rank, I was most times the only female or Black person and Black and female in the room. Because my military career path, I was in a lot of tactical units. And so a lot of times the only female in the room, most times, a lot of times in those mechanized infantry divisions and military intelligence, the only Black female in the room. So for me, it wasn't, I took note of it. You know what I mean? Obviously uh, taking, scanning the room and taking note of who's in the room, but I didn't let it stop me. I latched on to good leaders who I saw were good leaders and I learned from them. I observed a lot. And when I wrote, like I said, when I rose up through the ranks, I always took it upon myself to make sure I reached back and mentored those who were coming behind me, whether they looked like me or not, especially females. I always try to take a special care of my female soldiers just to kind of give them some of my lessons learned that I figured out along the way. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, mentoring is a passion of yours. So I'll give you an opportunity for a mentoring moment here. So what would you say to the young minority females that are in the Army, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, Space Force right now who may find themselves in that same situation where they're the only female or the only minority in the room? What advice would you have for them for coping with that situation or any of the challenges that it might present? Well, I would say, first and foremost, know what you bring to the table. And that was that was, is what helped me. I was mentored by some great warrant officers, and I know that they poured greatness into me. And so when I came to the table, when I walked in the room, I walked in like I belonged there. And that's one thing we got to make sure, especially women, we have to walk in and know what we bring to the table. We, we have to know that we're going to make any unit or any situation better because we're there. And so that's the main thing I would tell them is know what you bring to the table and walk in with confidence and be an added asset to that team. Yeah. What about for the women who may be dealing what is referred to as imposter syndrome, right? Who may be feeling like, okay, I'm here. I've made it here. I've made the rank or I've been assigned to this, this unit. But deep down, I really don't feel like I belong in this environment. What advice would you have for those folks? 
Well, first off, we all go through that. <laughs> we all go through that. You know what I mean? Yeah, we all go through that. But always know that there's room for growth. And as a leader, I always made sure I kept that mindset. There was always room for growth in me. And it didn't matter who it came from. I would sit down at the newest computer we received and sit with my soldiers and have them teach me. You know, I'd be like, hey, teach me what this thing does. <laughs> and wasn't, didn't even have no second thoughts about it. I knew who was smart around me and I didn't mind learning from them. I didn't matter if they were private all the way up to the colonel. And so I always left myself open to learn more. And just because the thing with promotion in the military, as we all know, is it's based on your potential. And so if you demonstrate a potential to be great and for the next rank and you do what you're supposed to do leading up to that, you're going to get the promotion. And so just continue in that potential because somebody saw that in you and don't don't ever feel like, oh, I don't deserve to be here or I shouldn't be. No, 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 no. Your voice is needed. Your voice is valuable. And you have to always remain open for learning and being a student. And like you mentioned, mentorship. Mentorship is huge coming up. And so always look for what right looks like and learn from those leaders who are displaying that. Okay. Well, it sounds like you did, you really did belong there and you had a great career. And I'm sure a lot of young service members are better off today because of the mentorship and the example uh, that you set for them. Let's talk a little bit about transition. So you did 22 years. How was your transition into civilian life? <laughs> well, <laughs> I know a lot of the service members are laughing when I, when you ask that question, because yeah, I mean, we all know who have served in the uniform, that transition is tough. And I think sometimes people who never serve, they don't get that. You know what I mean? And I always explain to them, think about it, like 22 years of my adult life, my years of formation, you know, where I was really being formed as a woman, as a leader, I served in the military. So that's all I knew in terms of what leadership looked like. I learned it in the military in terms of being an analyst and a military intelligence professional. I learned that in the military and then growing up as a woman, as a woman in the military, <laughs> hey, it ain't for the faint of heart. You got to be tough sometimes, you know, <laughs> and you have to be loud and you have to make sure you're seen and heard. And, you know, it, it carries a lot with you. And so I always remind people of that takes place in the military. So after going through all of that for 22 years and then the transition to where life slows down quite a bit, not only PT, but just life in general slows down quite a bit. You don't have that fast pace of preparing for deployment, of PT formation, accountability, and all that stuff. Life really slows down. And so you have a lot of time on your hand to think about <laughs> all the stuff that you really went through in the military and process it all. And, and sometimes that's heavy. That's a heavy place to be for a lot of veterans. And so that's where I found myself. I found myself as you know, with military intelligence, I carried a top secret clearance my whole 22 years. And so I never, ever, ever in my career <laughs> visited mental health services. Never. Not saying that I didn't need it, but in the 90s, in the 2000s, early 2000s, you know, that was very taboo. And so I, two things I tell people I did is I paid my bills and I never went to mental health. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I cried in my closet and I came out fighting. So, you know. <laughs> well, that's interesting because I want to double click on that for here just a second, because it's still a little bit taboo for folks, whether they're in military intelligence or in any other career field to raise your hand and ask for help and, and go to mental health. What advice would you have for the young women today who 
like you, I really felt like I needed to help, but I was hesitant because either you didn't want to use your security clearance or you didn't want to be scrutinized or ostracized by the people in your organization. But what advice would you have for the young ladies today who might be dealing with some of the same things that you dealt with? Yeah, man, listen, I was a single mother coming into the military. So for 10 years, I was a single mother. Then I was dual military for the rest of my career. And so it was, look, I probably needed to go to mental health several times. Okay, I'm not even gonna lie, <laughs> but- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you said, there's a lot of stigma that comes with that, especially as you climb the ranks. And we're always, as leaders, always mindful of perception. And we never want to be perceived as weak. We never want to. But the reality is, if you ask for help, you're not weak. You are strong. And you're setting a great example for your so your troops that you're leading. Because I'm telling you, those troops, because I know firsthand as an approachable leader, a lot of times my troops did come to me with issues that they were dealing with, whether it was personal or the job or just whatever. They came to me. And so I know that all service members, it don't matter what rank, gender, where you come from, it doesn't matter. They're dealing with life. And sometimes we need help to deal with life. And so I would tell any service member out there, if you need help, really, if you really, really need help, somebody to just talk to and kind of work through some things that you're dealing with, get the help. Don't worry about the stigma. Don't worry about, don't be ashamed. Get the help. That Getting help is a sign of strength. And I know the military is, is not good for teaching that, but they really, really got to come around. If they really want to make a dent in the suicide rate, both of those who are serving and our veteran population, we got to break that stigma that help is available. All you have to do is open your mouth and ask for it. I'm an advocate of the VA with my camouflage sisters community. I really, really harp on counseling and getting help. And we talk a lot about self-care. A lot of times, especially women, we don't do good at taking care of ourselves. And so all of that is part of your mental wellness. Your mental wellness is part of your overall health and wellness. And to be fit to fight, you got to take care of it all. So don't be ashamed to ask for help. Yeah, no, I wholeheartedly agree. And thank you for setting the example for those women and encouraging them through your platform to ask for help when they need it. So after you left the Army, you transitioned, you were doing that that for 20 plus years, and then you created this platform that allowed women and women veterans to share their stories. What inspired you and particularly what, what did you find so appealing about storytelling and the power of storytelling? Yeah, so when I transitioned, like I said, I, I struggled a bit. Then I got myself together, I tapped into the VA mental health services and got some great help and pushed through that tough time. And during that time, I started volunteering a lot with different organizations and meeting other women veterans and sharing my story and learning about their stories as well and learning more about that transition process for all of us. It didn't matter what error, it was the same. With that emotional transition as part of the process, that's what I learned. And in learning that, I also learned that there's some really badass women veterans out there with some amazing freaking stories, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know them. <laughs> oh, and yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, you did that in the military? <laughs> you need to write a book. Like, who's telling your story? Where are our stories at? Where are these stories at? Because these women are amazing. Oh, man. And so I got the idea to pull some stories together from because I knew some incredible women that I served with as well. And I self-published my first book, Battle Buddy. And so I was like, 
man, I want to put a book together telling these stories. These stories, somebody needs to hear these stories from these women who serve. And so I was introduced to my publisher. I shared the idea with her and she loved it. She was like, oh my gosh, that's a great idea. There's nothing out there. Let's do it. And so I just started asking ladies that I served with. I used social media to kind of fill the gaps and bring the whole book together. And I'm telling you, it, it was really incredible to find that there were women out there who served in the military or were still serving in the military who wanted to share, who felt like first they felt like they had a voice and they felt like they had a story worth telling. And then to have the courage to share that story, that was, I just was really touched by it. Wow. Yeah. Again, I know all of those women veterans and that are still serving are thankful to have you as their catalyst to be able to tell their story. Now, tell us about Camouflage Sisters. What is the Camouflage Sisters movement? Yeah, so it started with the books, right? And so the platform really is based on the power of storytelling and how it empowers us to take back the narrative of our stories. So when I first transitioned out, I would watch the news. I would listen to stories about women veterans, Veterans Day come around, Memorial Day come around, and all the reports about women veterans. And it wasn't us telling our stories. It was the story of the down and trodden woman veteran and all this stuff she's carrying with her and all these trials and tribulations she's going through. Now, granted, yeah, that is true. That happens. But that's not the only story. And who is that encouraging? And who is that empowering and who is that uplifting like man what little girl is going to hear that and want to join the military and i don't know too many so i was like wait a minute that's not all of our stories and that's not the whole story and so that's why for me i was like we have to tell our stories and our voices and we have to tell our truth from our perspective because we lived it there's nobody better to tell these stories than those of us who have lived it and so the movement is just that. We're creating platforms. We're creating a safe space for women veterans to share their stories. We value their voices and we honor their service through our organization and our platform. So we make opportunities for women veterans to come together and connect. We make opportunities for women veterans to share their stories, not only through our books, through our events and different things that we have. And it has just been an amazing journey for me to connect with all these ladies, to hear the things that they've survived through, to hear the hope in their voice, to hear how they've taken steps to ensure their healing. That has been like the greatest reward to see them know that, yeah, I'm carrying some things with me. Maybe I need to get a little help and push through and, and be a better version of myself. And so for me as the founder, that is probably the most rewarding part of all to empower these women through their stories. And it takes a lot, as you know, because you read it. I mean, we talk about some tough topics. It takes a lot of courage to share these stories that we're sharing. Now, the way we write is we don't bash the military. Like I, like you said, I'm a 22-year veteran. The military is very has been very good to me, and it still is. So we don't bash the military. We share our truth, and then we share a message of hope to those who are still serving to let them know that, hey, you might be dealing with some tough things. It may be hard today. We went through it, and here's how we got through it. So keep hope alive. You can get there. Keep hope alive. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but I think I think it's okay uh, to speak 
truth. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to bash the military, but there are some things that oh yeah, the military, there's some areas that, that certainly need work. Room for improvement. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that I find intriguing is that not only do you get the voices and the perspective of the women veterans, but you also get the perspective and get to hear the voices of people who support the military as well as family members. Why did you feel like it was important to bring their perspective into the discussion? Yeah, I, first off, I think we all have stories to tell that will help inspire somebody. So I definitely, I know how important it was for me to have my family support throughout my military career. Not just my husband and my children, but my extended family as well. I have, I'm the oldest of six siblings. And at any point in my career, I had one of my siblings traveling and living with me. I moved my mother with me at one point and my dad supported me throughout my career at some different points, taking care of my son for me and different things like that. And so the family members, sometimes we don't get to hear their stories. We don't get to hear the story of the caregiver daughter who's taking care of her father as who is a Vietnam veteran. She's in our book, Behind the Ring, Volume 5. We don't get to hear the story of the mother who's who has three children who served in the military. She's in our book, Behind the Ring, Volume 5 as well. And so I felt like those stories were just as important as the stories of the women who serve, because sometimes people don't understand what it means to be in a military family. It's only 1% of our population is even that served in the military. And so the connection to someone who actually served in the military, sometimes people don't have that firsthand. So I felt like their stories were important to share as well, especially that spouse who supports her service member or his service member. I know my last five years in uniform, I had to move my family. My husband had retired at that time. And I had to move my family four times in five years. <laughs> wow. yeah. That's a lot to ask, right? That's a lot to ask. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> a lot to ask of a family. And um, he did it without complaining. And he supported me and made sure I got that last promotion and did what I had to do to, to prepare for retirement. And so I truly appreciated his support throughout my career. And for people to just understand what that looks like from their perspective. Yeah, I think that's really like almost ingenious of you to, to not only capture the, the essence of what female veterans and particularly female minority veterans go through, but to also add in the stories of all the people who support them from spouses to folks out in the community, to extended family, parents and siblings and, and whatnot. So again, just an amazing way to look at things. And I'm sure folks out there are going to continue to be inspired by it. Now tell us, uh, Battle Buddy, your book, Battle Buddy, is used, I think it's at Baylor University, right? And transition, to talk about transition, being in the classroom, how did that come about? And how do you feel about your book being used in the classroom? Man, it was <laughs> it's such an honor, first off, to even be in a position like that. And so I met the military liaison for Baylor in a veteran writing program that the VA was offering here in Central Texas. And so I was sharing what I'm doing with Camouflage Sisters. I talked about my first book, Battle Buddy, how my writing career got started with that. And um, he just was really moved by it. And he was like, I really want you to come and talk to the students because some of them are struggling with that transition process. And I think your book will be a great asset to them 
And so we met a couple of times and then he allowed me to come into the classroom to chat with the veterans there. And it was just such an honor, first off, and just a great experience overall to be able to be with them, to share my story with them, to kind of give them some things to think about. One thing I talk about with them was labels. And we talked about the label of disabled veteran. And man, you should have seen the body language when I asked them, how do they feel about that label or being labeled a disabled veteran? They were, I mean, it was like very, <laughs> very defensive. Like they hated that term. And then I gave them a different perspective of it. And I was like, well, disabled veteran, that's not, I mean, you don't wake up with that label. That's a label that you earn, you earn, right? You have to go to the VA, you have to put in paperwork. They have to label you at, first off, they have to label you a veteran. And then they have to determine that because of your military service, you have some things that they have to take care of you for, for the rest of your life that has labeled you a disabled veteran. <laughs> there is no dishonor in that. Actually, it is an honorable label. You give labels their negative connotation by your perception of the label, right? To me, being a, a disabled veteran, I, that's an honor. That means I served, <laughs> I was injured. I, of all those years, I did some things, you know, that kind of put my body in a different shape, different status. And now the VA is obligated to take care of me for the rest of my life, right? It's all about perspective. And that's what I was telling them. I was like, it's all about perspective. And you give labels the power that you give them, whether it's negative or positive, you can give this label of disabled veteran a positive spin and some positive energy and make it better. Because what it says to me is that you care about your longevity. You're going to the VA. You're holding them accountable for what they've been charged to do. And that's take care of us veterans. You care about your family because you're taking care of your health. How else would you be labeled a disabled veteran unless you've been to the VA and your health has been assessed, right? <laughs> so when I gave it to them like that and I shared just those perspectives with them, they their body posture kind of took a little ease. <laughs> nice. And it was different thinking. And so it just was a great experience to really kind of share my perspective. And not only that, to let them know that struggles are no respecter of person, right? Being in a struggle is... It doesn't matter if you're a chief or if you're a specialist or if you're an NCO, none of that matters. We all struggle. And that was a little comforting to them as well. And so that was, that is, speaking to them has always been a great honor and just a, a wonderful experience for me. Yeah, well, I bet they really appreciate it. So you're a multi award-winning, best-selling author. Tell me, what do you hope is the biggest takeaway from not only your stories, but the stories of the voices that you have helped to amplify. Yeah, like I said at the beginning, one of my co-authors and, and good friends, she brought to my remembrance because she was in my very first book. And she said, you have helped many women get to their healing place. I walked around scarred and carrying a burden for nearly 20 years before I sought out counseling. And you did that, Lila. You did that with this platform. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, well, okay. <laughs> that was very humbling and kind of took me back, like the power of this movement that we've created. That's what I want, especially women to take from this is that your healing is your choice. As military women, those of us who served in the uniform, even those who support spouses and caregivers, especially, 
we all carry something with us, a heavy burden, whatever you want to call it. We carry some type of weight with us and it can impact you. How it impacts you is really up to you. I've embraced the leader that I am because of my military experience. It's not like a woman who served in corporate America and climbed the ranks there. It's very different. I'm a little bit louder. I'm a little bit more aggressive in my <laughs> demeanor, but that's okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's all right. And when I came to grips with that, I was able to really move through my transition and be okay with who Lila is. I think a lot of times society will make us feel, especially women, make us feel like we're supposed to fit in a box. And I'm telling you, military women, we don't. We don't fit in that regular box. <laughs> we just don't. And so be proud of your military service. Know that healing, anything that you experienced in your service, be it any type of trauma from the extreme trauma, such as sexual assault to trauma of toxic leadership or trauma of just trying to fit in the boys club. It's all trauma. It's all something that we dealt with. It's all something that we had to process through. You can heal from that and you can be the best version of you that you want to be, but it, it's up to you. It belongs to you. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. Wow. So again, Lila, man, I, I just want to thank you for being such an inspiration, not just to military women, but to people in general, right? Whether you serve or certainly if you served, I, I think people have no choice but to be inspired by you and all the great work that you're doing. But even if you haven't served in the military, I think there's a lot of people on this planet who are inspired by the example that you've set and the great work that you continue to do beyond your military career. So again, I just want to personally thank you for being with us today. And like I said, being such an inspiration. And then I'd like to give you any an opportunity to any last words to our audience. Yes, we all have incredible stories. If you've been told that you need to share your story, if you've been prompted by God that you need to share your story, even if it's not publishing it, there's always an opportunity for us to share our story to, to make somebody's day better. I love going to the VA and talking with the old vets and hearing their stories and even sharing a little bit of my story with them. We inspire each other. And so just know that your story is valuable. Somebody needs to hear it. Somebody's waiting to hear it, to be inspired. And your voice is valued. So don't stifle your voice. Be proud of your service. Know that you have a story to share. And if you've been prompted to share it, take an opportunity to share it with somebody. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Lila. I really can't wait for us to release this episode because I just know how many folks are going to be inspired to speak their truths and tell their stories just by listening to you and certainly by being a part of becoming a part of Camouflage Sisters. Speaking of that, so if there's a, a young lady out there listening right now, how can they become a part or get involved with the Camouflage Sisters movement? Yes, go to our website, uh, www.camouflagesisters.org. Um, you'll see everything on the website from our membership to our publishing services, to our events. We have a lot going on, a lot going on. So we meet virtually, we have in-person events, and we are working on a new book project. So there's a possibility if anybody wants to write, they can get involved that way as well. So we have a lot of touch points for women veterans to connect with us. So check out the website. We're also on social media, Facebook, Camouflage Sisters LLC, and then at Camouflage Sisters on Instagram. We also have a LinkedIn page as well. 
Oh, wow. Again, I, I imagine you're going to get some good business here coming up soon. So, Lila, thanks once again. Uh, really appreciate it. To look forward to talking to you and maybe working with you at some point in the future. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been your Airman Helping Airman podcast. I'm Khalif. She's Lila, proud U.S. Army veteran, multi-award winning, best-selling author, Camouflage, founder of the Camouflage Sisters movement, author of Behind the Rank and Battle Buddy and the Camouflage Sisters book series. Man, just an all-around inspiration. So again, if you haven't been inspired after today's discussion, I don't know what's wrong, but Like I said, I'm looking forward to hearing from you soon and perhaps working with you at some point in the future. And I have quite a few young ladies that I'm going to send your way and recommend to become part of the movement. So thanks again. Thank you. All right. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Airmen Helping Airmen, brought to you by the Air Force Aid Society. To find out more about how we make a difference, visit AFAS.org. And then be sure to search for Airman Helping in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else podcasts are found and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of everyone at the Air Force Aid Society, thanks for listening and join us on social media.